This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Freelance Feels, a podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I am chatting to Beck Seal. Hi Beck, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, it's, oh God, mid-October 2020 um, and we are chatting today all about your new book and your freelance life, freelance isolation. Um, would you like to tell us what your freelance is, what you do as a freelancer, self-employed person? Sure, um, so I'm a freelance writer. I've been freelance for 11 years. Um, I have somehow managed to sort of carve a niche myself mostly writing about food and drink um, with a little bit of broadcast work about that as well Um, but then about six years ago I had an idea for a book about how to cope with working alone because I wasn't Mm -hmm. and um, so I started writing that in 2019 and it came out in 2020 so yeah my main thing is writing um, and frankly I'll write about anything if you pay me. We'll go into carving out a niche, I think, because it's a lot. It's something a lot of people talk about on forums, like everyone's sort of saying, especially at the moment with the pandemic, look, if you can find a niche, that's great, because then you're almost the go-to person. And you yeah. say you've done some broadcasts. Some people might know you as off a certain TV programme, right, mate? A TV programme, yeah. So for <laughs> five years, I think, I did Sunday brunch um, on Channel 4 on Sunday mornings every yeah. week. Um, I was their drinks expert, um, which was uh, quite an amazing ride um somewhat unexpected i didn't audition for it deliberately Mm. um i was scouted for it so uh, yeah i know right (laughs) so funny (laughs) i didn't actually know because it was all confidential and it was when they were moving from the bbc to channel four um i didn't know what i was being scouted for i was the editor of a drinks magazine at the time and for soho house and they um brought me in to have like a screen test and i didn't know what the program was and Mm -hmm. and then i did i wasn't told until the wednesday before the sunday when I did my first show, that I was going to be on Channel 4 in front of a million people. Oh my god. <laughs> I really <goodness>. threw up. <laughs> pressure, yeah. I thought it was some, like, you know, online TV show or something. I, I literally had no idea. Oh my gosh. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll go back to working by myself. I'm fine in isolation, thanks. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, actually, <laughs> I mean, in a way, that was one of the hardest things about it because to go from an entire week by yourself mm. to suddenly being part of a really massive thing, um, it, that was very mind altering (laughs) that's a big shift isn't it suddenly you've got to be all like on as they say haven't you yeah Yeah, really on Mm. really 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 on at very early in the morning because um, (laughs) we would rehearse the whole thing after a few years they stopped having me rehearse but um we would rehearse the whole thing beforehand so sometimes it would be like a 5am 
taxi to go oh. and then rehearse at seven and then hair and makeup and <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved it, but it was yeah. forty-eight weeks a year. It was massive. I'm I'm delighted that it's now got to a point where they've got a big bank of experts, and I'm just one of them. And I do it, you know, maybe three times a year or four times a year, yeah. and that's like that's, that's great. Yeah, every so often you get to go and have some drinks on the telly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Oh, cool. So your book is all about working alone, which I really love because. I know there's a lot of amazing books out there which are freelance guides, but I really love that you've, you've sort of toned, toned, honed it down to a niche about the freelance life. Um, you know, what made you want to focus on working alone in particular and the isolation part of things? Was there a big experience for you? You said you, you were thinking of this for six years. I mean, this is no sort of sudden overnight decision, is it? You've been building up to yeah, writing yeah. about this topic. People keep saying, gosh, well done for writing this so quickly when coronavirus <laughs> happened. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not this is not a coronavirus book. This is a weird and somewhat horrible coincidence. But um, yeah, it's so I guess it was six or seven years ago. I had been freelance for about five years by that point. And on a sort of technical understanding of the word successful, I looked really successful. Obviously, I was doing the TV show. I'd written a couple of books. Um, which had kind of been well received. I was writing for a lot of different newspapers. I was making a pretty substantial amount of money, especially for a freelance writer. Um, and I was completely miserable. Um, mm. And I, I didn't see my friends very much. I was working six days, sometimes seven days a week. So was my uh, then partner, now husband. Um, we were just consumed and overwhelmed by our work and um, it had become the biggest thing about us, the most important part of our identities. We didn't have a great deal going on apart from, particularly because I write about food, mm. we went to a lot of restaurants, but so it all looked like a kind of social whirlwind, but I wasn't doing it with my friends. I wasn't doing it with people that I really loved. Um, you know, I was doing it with colleagues who are lovely, but you know, they're not even real colleagues. It was just people that I'd see periodically at parties and then, yeah. Um, so it's just the really person who owns the restaurant, you know, the yeah, PR or exactly. something, for those who know yeah. that world. Yeah, you're having yeah. it's a meeting, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, a meeting with wine, which is a good kind of meeting, but not 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 sort of socially fulfilling. And mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't realise, <clears throat> I just didn't realise how lonely I was, um, and how kind of cut off from from real life I had become. And then somehow that morphed into thinking, right, I need to. I need to collect the information that I'm trying to gather for myself and make it available for other people um, because I couldn't find a book, which is sort of where I often go to find answers. Mm. Um, I couldn't find a book or a website or, or anything really that had stuff about what being alone does to your brain and what being socially isolated does and, 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 and how to, how to get through it, like how to find the strength to go out and, re-socialize with mm. people who actually know you and love you um if you have kind of drained yourself completely and you feel sort of weakened by the experience yeah. um and 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 other stuff like how to say no to work when you know you're really overwhelmed and mm. um how to manage your business like i guess one of the things that i hadn't ever really contemplated was that i was running a business mm. um that i never think that business. i never think that about myself yeah like other freelancers and think well they've got a business maybe I should set up a business and then I think oh god and I think I have one. Oh. yeah yeah um and it's it's really interesting because when you start thinking about yourself as the business you can start thinking about the 
the terminology that would normally be associated with business life, which mm. obviously quite a lot of us fled business life into mm. freelancing to avoid. So I don't understand that it's unattractive potentially to do this. But, you know, you are the HR manager. You are the you're also the office cleaner, more like more than yeah. I <laughs> And um, but you're the CEO, you're the finance director, you're the business development manager, you're the social media person, you do the marketing. And but the, the HR sort of side of it, I think, is a really critical thing to think about. Like, are you asking yourself to do things that you wouldn't dream of asking an employee to do? Mm. Like, are you are you requiring yourself to meet targets even if they're sort of vague and amorphous in your head are you requiring yourself to meet targets that if you left a meeting and somebody had told you about those targets you would feel completely exploited by you know it's a so i start that was what i started to think about um and i thought i'm if i need this then i think maybe other people might need it too and then i started talking to other freelancers and solo workers of all sorts you know I was a bit worried that this was like a <laughs> a, a writer thing a kind of inward looking yeah, no, that's yeah creative industries you know we're the yeah, ones yeah. like that and other people then, so much. Mm. well yeah and I but I thought that was the case but then I realized I, one of my best friends is a um, personal trainer for example and she was really for the whole six years when's your book coming out when's your book coming out have you, <laughs> have you written the book have you written the proposal like almost the cheerleader for the book really to make oh. it happen because because she needed it and she knew other people that did. Um, and then it became clear that actually this wasn't particularly a creative industries issue. This was just a working by yourself in your own head issue. Um, yeah, so, so that's where it came from. She sounds amazing. She sounds like the kind of person you want on your team. <laughs> oh, she is actually, she's great. She just sent me a congratulations card, like made with a, a handmade one. She's, she's, she's a good person. Oh, what a trooper, what a lovely person. Yeah, she is, she is, she's really nice. So, I, I know a lot of freelancers often have this skill. I do as well. But did you feel guilty that you had what looked like and on paper was a great freelance life, but then you had feelings about it that didn't comply with what the life was supposed to be giving you? Did you feel guilty that you were like, well, why aren't I loving this restaurant going, yeah. TV appearing, wonder yeah. life that appears to be? You must have. Yeah. Was that really difficult to, to say it's OK to feel guilty about not liking that life? Yeah, it was, um, that was one of the worst bits, I would say, because mm. I, I mean, it was such a lovely lifestyle. And now, <laughs> now I've got two kids and I can't really do it anymore. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I missed that a bit. <laughs> um, oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I, I don't actually really, because it was pretty, um, it was pretty kind of silly and, um, and full on. And um, uh, yeah I did I did feel really guilty I felt really guilty because I knew that a lot of people wanted what I had mm. um, and I felt really guilty because I was earning good money and it felt really um, bizarre to not be just really chuffed because I think you know and this is another thing that I went I really researched hard in the book we really associate money and success really closely mm. like I would define success differently now than I would have back then anyway. Um, but we're so, we're so obsessed with money as a marker of success that I thought, right, okay, so I've got, I'm making money, which was sort of my initial aim. When I went freelance, I remember thinking about it, like in my head, I was like, if I can just make what I was making when I worked um, as a journalist at The Observer, mm -hmm. then I've made it, like that's success. Um, I didn't really think about any of the other stuff about what I wanted my life to look like as a whole or who I wanted to be or what kind of stuff I wanted to write about. I just thought if I can just make enough money to do that, to, to meet that one level point, mm. then that's it. That's not a holistic, <laughs> particularly 
like satisfying way of looking at your career um but i did that for quite a long time so yeah that that sort of swirl of guilt and um and and not really knowing who to talk to about the fact that I wasn't that happy either um. because it felt so gratuitous to be like oh I go to all these restaurants and I'm so sad <laughs> you know um yeah. I mean and that's true it is like poor little rich girl um but when you do restaurant reviews I used to do restaurant reviews for Metro newspaper as well and everyone thinks it's really exciting but all you want to do I found anyway and it sounds like I feel ungrateful saying it as well is like all you want to do is just go out for dinner and order from the menu yeah. and pay for it yourself because yeah. When you go out for a review, they kind of, if they know that you're there and generally you've either told them or they do clock, they know, they just, they have lists of people with pictures and stuff. They yeah. know when the reviews come in. You don't, you don't get left alone. So it's not like going out for dinner. It's yeah. like, and yeah, I feel, I felt the same way. I was just like, I just want to go like <laughs> yeah. to express with my mates by myself. And then you yeah. feel like, what a cow I am. Like I've just been to, you know, some launch with an amazing chef, but you just want dinner. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a normality level with you. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, and not to be invited to have a look at the meat storage afterwards. <laughs> the really new, the lovely new oven, which is all really interesting in the daytime. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's part of my job. But like at ten thirty p.m., you just want to go home. Yeah. Um, and you so. <laughs> you're just like, no, I don't want to see your oven. <laughs> yeah. Um, beautiful though it is so yeah I did I really struggled with all of that and it mm. took a long time to kind of come to terms with the fact that it was okay to say I'm not sure that these bits of my job are the bits, bits that I actually want to pursue mm -hmm. um, and that there may be other bits of this work that I could um, enjoy more that maybe wouldn't have such obvious success things associated with them and maybe wouldn't make so much money but um, but that, that I would probably be less unhappy yeah. <laughs> And that's good. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. And it's a big, it's a big thing to make a decision like that. It's scary because I guess you mentioned you've got kids and I guess, you know, you're then thinking, well, you know, it's all very well not to put money at the top of the success tree, as it were, but the bills still need paying. There's still a mortgage. If you have children, you still have childcare, everything from days out on holidays to new shoes, new shoes for yourself, indeed, if you wish to yeah. you know, be no so self-important. <laughs> The same, the same shoes that I've bought six years ago. <laughs> no, I mean, we like glamorise things and actually, you know, there's kind of, the reality isn't this glamorous Instagram, you know, oh, look at this. I'm very anti the Instagram perfect desk, but you know, we're chatting, you've done the school run. So you're not going to slot in as much as you can sort of into your working day, aren't you? Do you, do you think we see other people as having a perfect work from home life and then we're all struggling. There's that imbalance. There. Yeah, but I think that's a massive issue with Instagram and social media as a whole. And I think that it, that's one of the really damaging aspects that, um, of it for particularly people who work on their own. Because I think what we've lost, well, what people who've transitioned abruptly to working from home this mm. year and what freelancers in general have lost is... Um, a sense of how other people live day to day right if you're on your own all the time and your only uh regular access to people's lives or lives as they mm. appear on Instagram, is via social media then you're getting a skewed um vision of what life is like whereas if you go into an office or or you work in a restaurant or or a factory or 
any of the other places where you can work a shop with loads of other people, you inevitably get a window on their life. You hear their phone calls with their partners, you see them feeling knackered in the morning because they've had a crap night with their children or, you know, we see reality, like actual reality and we don't get that when you work on your own and all you do is scroll through Instagram and see people's kind of apparently um, perfect lives. And the interesting thing that I found out um, for the book, which is in a, in a, um, one of the end, towards the end chapters, um, is that there are mental health implications, even when you follow people whose accounts are designed to be inspirational and motivational. So those people who you follow in order to try and, replicate their kind of life or success or whatever are actually the people who probably make you feel worst about yours mm-hmm. ironically yeah. um, there's some really good data on the impact of um of that um particularly on young people mm-hmm. but it's true for all people so um like and i find that a real tension because i'm supposed to be marketing my book on instagram oh. and it you know pictures of my face seem to do really well on my particular feed. Like if I put up a picture of food that I've cooked, which you'd think being a food writer was what my followers might want to see, then like hardly anyone seems to see it. But if I put up a picture of my face with a picture of the book next to it, that seems to fly. So I end up doing that. And it's like, well, I don't really want to do that because I don't know that that's the messaging I want to get out. But at the same time, I've got to market this book. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, round and round and round in my head, knowing knowing that I need to not pretend like I try really hard in my captions to be absolutely honest about mm. what that day or week has been like. And, and often, you know, for, for particularly this year, that's, you know, there's a hard story to tell or a boring mm. grinding oh, down type of a story more, to tell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really dangerous. And I think like making your life look perfect on Instagram is, um, is a really unfair thing to do to other people yeah it's very hard i'm the same i try and be i mean freelance sales is all about trying to be very honest but i think you're right there it hadn't occurred to me that actually if i managed to post say every day people might be like well look at her she's managing to put a post up every day where's she finding the time i'm like usually you know sometimes sat on the loo sometimes yeah 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 <laughs> certainly not using scheduling app and stuff it's often you know yeah like like the, the pasta's boiling oh I'll start writing that caption for that Instagram thing that I want to put up in the morning it's yeah. usually alongside something else it's that's terrible time management really I probably should be using scheduling apps it's made me think now how do you think we can work on balancing things then like because we are often working alone especially at the moment yeah what, if it is our world and we can't avoid it like you and I this is the world we work in what can we do to kind of to find some balance do you have anything that with you social media or um probably just uh, more with working al- alone at home generally really yeah I, mean, I actually do think i know you're just saying about scheduling apps i do think schedules are are really critical one of the earliest things that steve my husband and i did to try and kind of work this out was create this rule where you don't talk about work before breakfast and you don't um talk about work after 8 p.m nice. um, you don't talk about work at the weekend um, and if there's like an, um, an emergency, you can, what we call it for some reason, we say you can play a card. So <laughs> <like that. laughs> we're allowed to do it once a week um, and once a month for weekends. Um, Brilliant. And apart from that, it's like, that's the cutoff. And that's really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, but anything you can do, I think, to kind of create rules for yourself. Like uh, one of the things I found out about for the book is this idea of your sort of present self, future self and past self. And if you can make it so that you're, you're making a decision now for your future, 
future self to act on, then the decision's easier to take because your your future self is sort of distant. Mm. And then you, you and then when you get to the point where the decision has to be held, your past self has made that decision. Mm -hmm. So the decision's done. And the only willpower needed is to follow through rather than to also make the decision. Does that make any sense? Like, yeah, no, it does. It does. And I love that. I love the idea of like no work talk because I'm the same as you. I also my partner's also self-employed and he works from home, different industry, which is good, I think. But sometimes it can be that you, you get up, yeah, you sit and have your breakfast. Well, what are you doing today? Okay, I'll tell him what I'm, I'm up to and then vice versa. And then you break for lunch yeah. and you talk about what you've been doing that morning for work. And it can become 24-7. Yeah. We were actually working together at the time um, mm -hmm. and that was, that was why we were like, we've got to do something or our marriage is going to end. Um, <laughs> so, so that was partly where that came from. But I recommend it. I would, however, say that you will find yourself sitting in silence together because you've forgotten how to have a conversation, right? We had that happen. It still happens now. One of us will be like, oh, I had this thing, la, 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 la. And you start talking. Then you look at the clock and think, oh, no, I can't. And then you sit there in silence for a bit. So you're like, I'm so consumed by this work issue. I literally can't think of anything else to say. You obviously do at some point come up with something to say. And it's a really important exercise to do that. Um, because you realise how work has expanded mm. to fill your entire brain. And that's really unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Because I guess, yeah. I don't know how, do you mind me asking how old your children are? Five and three. No, I don't Five know. Five and three. <laughs> you then default to being like, oh, this is what the kids have done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Trying to, trying to think of something that's not kids and not work to talk about is, um, yeah, it, that's quite a draining effort in itself but I still think it's I still think it's critical because otherwise you just become this kind of work doing machine and um that's just really I mean is that what we wanted is that really what we wanted is that what I set out to do 20 years ago when I decided I wanted to be a writer did I want it to be the only thing I ever thought about and my clients to be the only people I ever talked about like that wasn't that wasn't what I dreamt of. <laughs> no, there's this idea of like, you know, the freedom of freelancing and you're skipping between a coffee shop and, a, you know, the garden centre where you might buy, I have to mention, talking garden centres, I don't know why that came up, but they've got the most amazing plant behind you. It's just... Oh, yeah. This is, I, I'm not green-fingered. I don't know how this has happened. It's huge. It's thriving. It's a bird of paradise. It's wonderful. Yeah. I just think I'm such a fan of house plants. That's often my tip to people. They're like, how can I make my home, working from home life nicer? I'm like, Surround yourself with plants because you have to. There's a question coming from this, by the way. The plants made me think of something. I, would you agree that, like, having something like plants then gives you something else to care for? So you might not have children, you might not have a pet, but you know, yeah. even keeping that that bird of paradise plant alive, there's there's something. Oh, I'll break or water the plants. Is that yeah. key? Yeah. It actually is, and there's there's science behind this. You're completely and utterly right. So um, there's the caring for things aspect. Mm -hmm. There's the fact that the NASA clean air study suggests that there's um, a benefit in having plants in your office environment because they suck up some of the toxic fumes mm. that are by things like printers and computers. Um, so there are health benefits from that side, but there's also really interesting stuff. So there's a whole theory called um, attention restoration theory, mm. which is about the power of nature to um, restore our ability to um, pay attention and work. So it's a whole productivity thing. So eff effectively having plants around your desk is a productivity hack and there's really interesting data that shows if you fill offices with plants and this has all been done in big large scale offices um creativity goes up collaboration mm. goes up 
gratitude goes up, generosity goes up, like by, by big percentages, you know, like, you know, 30% X more of that, you know, it's, it's proper um, and it's fascinating. And then there's also stuff about whether the fractal patterns in foliage and trees mm -hmm. affect our brains. So um, it looks as though we really um, sort of thrive on, our brains really thrive on the fractals that appear in nature. So if you can have a plant next to you, you, you will have fractal patterns next to you mm -hmm. because they, they, they occur, they reoccur in nature all the time. Um, and so there's also really interesting stuff about sitting next to a window and being able to see a tree. Um, okay. health benefits of that so if you can park your desk space your workspace next to a window not only do you get all the benefits of daylight on your circadian rhythms which improve your ability to sleep and all of that um, if you can also see like the movement of leaves I mean I'm looking out on a very very average suburban South London street <laughs> right but I can see a silver birch I can see trees moving um, and that's I've realized very recently how critical that is to my well-being and so I kind of try and make time to um, yeah have those experiences during the day so the idea is I think you need 120 minutes of that kind of thing ideally outside in a green or blue water environment mm -hmm. a week um, a study was done at Exeter last year really interesting study about the the well-being benefits and 120 minutes is like the perfect amount per week of that to kind of um, restore your brain this is my utter excuse to go and buy loads more houseplants this afternoon <laughs> In the office actually i'm very big on plants but i've realized they're all downstairs in the house so yeah this office is getting some plants later this week do you think i mean we talked a lot about working from home and being by yourself and obviously the books about that and how it can be challenging how it can be difficult um do you think working alone can be good for your mental health in any ways yeah yeah definitely definitely um i mean one of the one of the parts of the book is about kind of shifting your mindset around how you think about being on your own um, because solitude in and of itself isn't bad it's only bad if you perceive yourself to be isolated mm -hmm. um, and there's again interesting studies done on perception of isolation so there are people who are kind of technically socially isolated who don't mm -hmm. feel it and therefore don't experience any of the negative consequences um, whereas I mean I was very very lonely in a hyper-connected mm -hmm city environment um so if you can and so if you can think about your solitude as a positive because there's loads of um research to show that it's a it's a, it generates creativity um people who spend time by themselves show kind of innovative thinking um, because we're not so self-conscious of things because there's no one watching us Often we have ideas which we wouldn't necessarily have in a group environment because um, we're not kind of frightened of putting them forward because we're only putting mm -hmm. them forward for ourselves. Um, so there's there's huge advantages from that point of view. And I mean, obviously, some people need time by themselves. And funnily, now I'm at a point where I'm my kids are my wonderful kids are in my face all the time. <laughs> I really enjoy going into my office and shutting the door. <laughs> now it's you know now it's a different experience so i think it ebbs and flows through different phases of your life and different phases of your work um but yes i do i do think i don't i couldn't do the job that i do surrounded by other people i couldn't have written the books that i've done yeah. uh, surrounded by other people absolutely definitely not so for me solitude is is crucial and um and broadly speaking enjoyable now but i have had to learn to do that mm -hmm. i have had to learn to perceive it differently um, and to and to work out what the benefits are 
um, and just just thinking that I mean what the whole book is about really is is asking you to ask questions of yourself who am I what do I need what makes me happy what bits of my work work for me what bits of my work don't work for me what can I change um slowly steadily not all at once because that'd be overwhelming like doing too many new year's resolutions Um, and you know what who literally who am I because I don't know about you but I didn't do any of that at the beginning of all this at the beginning of my career or when I went freelance I didn't think what suits me what office space do I want where do I want to work do I need Mm. to be another with other people should I share an office with someone else like I just worked I just went oh my god I've got to get some work oh my god I've got to get some work Um, totally that totally relate yeah that's exactly like like me just saying oh actually hold on I have no plants on the shelf I keep looking to my that's where the shelves are um yeah, it's, I've been so busy going, well, I best crack on with all this stuff because I've just moved house and I've better work. And it's like, hold on, do I like my office? Because now yeah. I've got a big home office. Before I had a very small home office. And so suddenly I'm like, oh, I need to make this space. It hasn't occurred to me because I've just been sending out pitches and setting up interviews and racing around. And it's funny, isn't it? We don't take those moments. Sometimes they're not even big moments. Are no. they? Buying a plant, buying a pen pot. Yeah. Know? Doing the shredding so that you're not surrounded by papers but those are the little things do you, do you think that that add up to massively mental health when you're by yourself mm. yeah yeah for sure because you're you're taking care of your environment and you're taking care of yourself I mean it is that horrible self-care phrase it's like <laughs> um and I just I think we need that and we deserve it and and you know again I think it's really it's really valuable to put yourself in the position of what would it feel like if if you had a boss who was doing this to mm. you like if you had a boss who said you may not have any plants in your office and you know you must work till 8 p.m every night and um i want you to check your emails as soon as you wake up you must do that you know, like, be <laughs> yeah but that's that's effectively what we do to ourselves when we work by ourselves we put our we put things on ourselves that we would be enraged if um a boss did to us i mean it's like the stuff i've i've been posting about um sort of over the last few months about food mm-hmm. um you know if 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 somebody said to you, you, you don't deserve a lunch break, you don't deserve a coffee break, um, you don't deserve anything to eat today, um, mm. which I know is a massive problem for loads of freelancers because I've interviewed loads and they told me mm-hmm. that they were just eating cereal all day. Um, you know, you would be enraged by anyone who forced that stuff upon you, an organisation that made you work that way. So you'd be emailing to HR. You'd be, you'd be emailing yeah. HR and say, my boss has said I can only eat cereal. Yeah. foreseeable future. Or my boss has said, if I'm not on my computer, or my boss has said, I'm allowed to go home, but I've got to check my emails while I'm watching telly. Yeah, yeah. God, exactly. this is like a real light bulb moment. It's weird, isn't it? We think we get these things as freelancers, but actually that's never occurred to me, but you're so spot on. It's like scarily, yeah. We're like, horrible to ourselves. We're, yeah. horrible. We're like our worst bosses. <laughs> yeah. Worst boss you've ever had, plus about 10. That's, that's ourselves. When we go freelance, we always say, oh, I'm going to be my own boss. And then actually, yeah, you're right. We're like the worst boss ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit, man. Do you think people, is there an answer to that? Like my immediate reaction is, right, I need to almost make a new manifesto as my own boss and tell myself five things I've got to do, like buy plants, I yeah. don't know, stop for a whole hour for lunch for a week and make a note of it. What would you suggest to people who maybe they're going, oh my God, I'm a shit boss to myself. What, what would you sort of advise them yeah I think a manifesto is a really good idea actually um I mean I think writing a bit of a vision of what you want your life to look like is really helpful like I'm mm. not really into the idea of manifesting or any of that <laughs> stuff so I'm not well, I like a bit of mood boarding 
I mean, I like a mood board. I just, mm. I just think sometimes it drifts a bit into the kind of the universe gave me X, and I'm like, no, no, you got that. Like, yeah. you know, no, you I made mean, that happen for yourself. Thanks yeah. to prioritising. Yeah, luck and hard work. Um, but it, I think it's really useful to have an idea of what it is that you want your life to look like. And and when you do that, your brain will bubble up ideas like, I do want a really beautiful home office. Mm. Or, um, I uh, yeah, I do want loads of plants. Or actually, what I'd really like is to go swimming at 5pm three times a week. I'd forgotten I wanted to do that. Like, how can I make that happen? But because if you just put yourself on the hamster wheel for five years or 10 years or however long it is, um, then you never get the opportunity to have those conversations with yourself. So I think, yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in sitting down like once every six months or once a year with a big bit of paper and, and kind of saying, right, what's, what do I want? What do I want the next year to have in it? Um, and oh, I never really, nice. bit yeah, it is, it's really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, I never really look at the bit of paper again, but it does give me a sense of yeah, who, who I want to be and mm-hmm. whether that's actually happening or not. I mean, there's a general rule, the thing that I never do enough of is see my friends. Okay. Um, so yeah. that's all. I've literally got a post-it note at the bottom of my computer at the moment saying, call your friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I interviewed Margaret Heffernan recently, the brilliant um, TED Talk on business expert. And um, she, she said that one of the things she likes to do to try and recreate the water cooler mo- moments that, you know, freelancers don't have and everybody has lost this year. Yeah. Is she just randomly phones people up, um, like unexpectedly, people yeah. she likes, people that she's worked with, just to see how they're doing in the way that you would have done if you'd bumped into them in the corridor. Um, I bet it scares the hell out of them. My friend does yeah. it to people and she's like, people go, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, yep, just wanted to say hi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the more of us that do it, the more normal it will become and the less, the less kind of baffling people will find it. Yeah, you see a missed call, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, are they okay? And they're like, literally, yeah, they just wanted to talk. It's, yeah, like, I've campaigned to bring back the normal phone call. So I find this with work as well. I don't know if you're the same, but the minute I make a phone call to someone about a work thing, whether it's everything from unpaid invoice to I need to get an expert on board for something or I want to connect with someone in some way. The minute you dial in, it's all resolved, isn't it? You know, you speak to an editor and and say, look, I don't understand this part of the brief. They're like, oh, right, I just meant X, Y, Z. You're like, okay. Yeah. Phone calls are the answer often, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. And I think they often, um, at the moment, they're getting kind of neglected because of Zoom. Mm. Um, And... I think that we need to kind of get back to the traditional phone call because for a lot of people, and I'm not talking about we're on Zoom now and I'm not talking Mm. about uh, this conversation, but for a lot of people, calls seem to have, like, it doesn't all have to be on Zoom. Mm -hmm. People find this video situation exhausting for loads of reasons, Um, not least because you can see yourself looking really a lot more tired than you thought you looked. Um, Maybe I should have brushed my hair. Oh, God, I need <laughs> <to> <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you self-analyze for an hour or so don't yeah. you staring at yourself so, saying, what have I worn today what do I look like yeah. yeah yeah so you've got and is that plant coming out of the top of my head and you know what <laughs> that? and and um and that's exhausting because you're also trying to present yourself in a way that you like that you want your clients or your the people you're conversing with to like um you're trying to also talk intelligently about whatever it is you're talking about there might be six people on the screen or more um that's baffling to our brains Mm. because when do you ever have six pairs of eyes that you can make eye contact with all in one go like we're not designed for the format that zoom and all the other um, video calling apps have created for us it's hugely helpful in some ways 
um, but I don't believe that it's actually kind of positive from a mental health point of view mm. in many ways um, because it's quite overwhelming. Yeah, I think it's a big, a big sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't think of the word. Like a big, like a real, not a call for, but like lots of people often now say basically, oh, can we do it without video? Yeah. Um, like especially if it's a big meeting, like say you've got ten of you. And you'll see some people join and they'll just put in the comments now, actually, I'm joining without video today. And I often say to people, look, if you don't want to join with video, it's nice when we're chatting like this one on one, because obviously, yeah, yeah I can see your plant. And normally I'd have come and yeah. met you for the podcast. That was what I did in the beginning was I went to meet people in Aww. their working space and had a chat with them. And it was really nice because you met a human being for the interview. Yeah. But, um, Oh, the old and old, so I miss them. Yeah. Oh, come back, real world. Come back yeah. to us. But there's hope, isn't there? There's there's hope. You know, yeah. we'll, get we'll get back. We will get back. Yeah. Um, but no, one on one, I think is good. But um, I think when it's when it's the bigger calls, um, I think even when it's like three or four people, uh, I think they're just really exhausting. Um, mm. And yeah, the good old phone call is much easier on our poor little ape brains. Totally good. We've all got three minutes. So it's not like it costs anything. <laughs> exactly exactly what would be your one piece of advice as we wrap up to someone so say they are working from home they're either employed or freelance or perhaps they've got a side hustle but they're basically most of us are at home at the moment and they're on their own what's one thing they could do having listened to this podcast whatever day that, that is what can they do today in inverted commas to perhaps make a change that might begin a better working from home solo experience Oh my God, there's so many. Uh, let me try and choose one that's useful. Um, I mean, I think if you're lonely, mm -hmm. then the biggest thing is to figure out a way to bring other people back into your life, which I know is really hard at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you if you feel, well, two things. If you feel isolated, have a think about whether you really are isolated because most freelancers exist in a web of other people. Mm -hmm. um, I list all of mine in the book and it's like you know yeah. and I take it from like the people who look after my kids who have businesses that I support financially effectively um and you know the the editors the publicists the 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 people who do my transcribing um the, there's like there's a whole network of people um so I try and think quite hard about how isolated I am when I feel isolated um and, and whether I'm actually slightly over-egging it in my own head mm. I'm not as isolated as I'm perceiving myself to be in that moment so that's one thing but then also you know we just do need real people um so if if you feel lonely it is incredibly hard to put yourself out there but it is the best way mm. to mitigate loneliness um and there's so many different ways that you can do that. And you don't have to do it with actual real life people if that really feels like too much. But I would encourage people to join um, support networks. Um, there are so many out there for particular mm. types. Um, get a mentor perhaps through one of those networks. Um, try and get, you know, talk about your work with people who are your friends. You know, if, if you feel ground down and lonely and isolated then I think you know we need to we need to get better at sharing that with people um and or with your family or, or whoever it is um so I think yeah those act on your loneliness if you feel lonely act on your loneliness um and then the other bit would be just buy a plant as discussed just buy a plant that's something they can do it will really help I mean it's yeah. hilarious but it will I actually when I I'm gonna make this the last thing I said but when during lockdown our um 
the photography studio was closed, obviously. And so I used that to do quite a lot of the writing of the book. Um, and I used to go there with a plant under my arm and I would just have it next to me on the desk and then, um, you know, cause I just, it was, it's like a white space. So it didn't, it doesn't have any real greenery in it. So I would reminds just- reminds me of Leon, you know, the film. If anyone's Which seen one? Leon, Leon um, it's, oh, quite, yeah. um, it's like about a hitman, but when he has yeah. to go on, yeah. he always takes his plant. Yes, you're right. Oh my God. My neighbours must have thought I'd become a hit person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they thought I was insane, like trundling up and down with a pop plant at the end of when lockdown lifted a bit. Yeah, so mm. weird. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, but brilliant. I love it. So hitman, person, freelancer, plant underarm. That's all everybody needs. Channel, channel Leon, the film. And if you yes. haven't seen Leon, I recommend it. It's one of my absolute favourite all time. It's very good. Uh, Gary Oldman's amazing. Oh, it's just so good. Jean Renault. Anyway, I'm going off piste. Um, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the book, any social handles that you'd like to, to share with everybody? Yes, uh, thank you. So um, the book is available in, as somebody said to me recently, all good bookshops and the bad one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's called Solo, How to Work Alone and Not Lose Your Mind. And then you can also find out more about the book and links to buy it on howtoworkalone.com. And my Instagram is at Bexseal, but I think don't spend your day on Instagram. So maybe don't look for me there. fantastic oh Beck, thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for joining me thank you so much for having me it's been a really yeah delightful conversation thank oh you. cool thank you thank you for listening to freelance feels the podcast for humans who work for themselves I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.